What is up, everybody? You often hear it said that there are no big deer in Florida, and for the most part, comparatively speaking, the majority of people aren't wrong. Deer in the South, and especially in Florida, definitely don't get the body mass you see on deer in the northern states. And the major factors are climate and resources. Take a short drive north and get into some more rural agricultural areas of Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and you'll start to see the size of deer gradually increase. Here, due to less nutrient-dense soils and habitat loss due to overdevelopment, resources are spread thin in the woods, so it's not crazy for a hunter here in Florida to be astoundingly proud of a 120-inch quote-unquote Florida giant. I mean, that is a big deer here, historically speaking. And you look at our buck registry, and it starts at 100 inches. So a 120-inch deer is a good deer. But every now and then, one slips through the cracks and turns into a true monster. That's the case we're talking about this week. This week, we're joined by James Stovall, the current state record holder for the biggest whitetail ever killed in the state of Florida in recorded history. This 206-inch beast was taken in September of 1999 in Green Swamp West, the year it opened for a special opportunity hunt. It's quite a story, and we know you'll enjoy it. Uh, we hope to see you guys this weekend, January 27th, at the Seminole Forest uh, Small Game Hunt. It's our last one of the season. It's going to be a blast. The weather was has warmed up a bit. And I think at the moment the weatherman is calling for a little rain, but we make the best of we'll make the best of it and uh, we'll have a great time regardless. April thirteenth coming up is the Mud Bug Bash and Poker Run at the Jolly Gator Fish Camp in Geneva, Florida. We have tickets on sale right now, and the link is down in the podcast description. So get down there and get you some of those. Uh, reserve them now and make sure you have a seat at the table. And pre registration is open for the Poker Run as well. So get that going let's get it done uh you know before we jump into the show though we've been running the hasmore seat for almost four seasons now uh and a lot of their products and now that i say that out loud it it brings to my mind something that i never put much thought to these things are really durable it's still in great shape for being on a climber for four seasons anyway with rain in the forecast let's talk about how well this thing performs in wet weather it doesn't get your butt wet when it rains and you aren't in the stand like I know you've gone back to the truck or back to camp and you get a midday rain shower and you come back and the seat on your climber is just full of water. The Hasmore seat doesn't do that. You come back to your climber after a good storm or a heavy dew in the morning and because of its limited surface area, it just doesn't hold water. In the wet early season, that's a big deal. So hop on down to the podcast description, uh, click the link and use UPO 15 for 15% off your order and get yourself a Hasmore seat. Let's hop into this show. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. So let me start off by introducing everybody we got around the table here. I, I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Hunter in here with me tonight. What's happening, everybody? We got Jordan over here. I'm here. Let's get it. We've got Mr. James Stovall. Appreciate you having me. And Mason Stovall, mm-hmm. your son. And we're talking about, you know, I, I kind of thought about it today as I'm riding around the truck and 
I was like, what, what do we title this episode? It's like, there's no more big deer left in Florida because James Stovall killed them all. There's the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the uh, legend of Green Swamp. The, you know, there's a hundred different things. We'll just see where it goes from here. But we're talking about this giant 206-inch behemoth back here that has held the Florida state record for non-typical bucks since uh, 1999 long time yeah and it's you got a whole five and uh four and a half inches on the other one on the next one down and that was 1940 yep yeah long mm. you see that that's the that's the one we were talking about today that third one yeah, yeah luke, luke luke ashby the 200 inch year out of out of uh Belusia county this year yep i was luke i was pulling for you i was <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I saw that buck pop up, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. And, you know, it's crazy because that, that cat's a, it was a cactus buck, meaning it, it didn't have testicles for one reason or another. And when that happens, they don't drop horns and they tend to stay in velvet. Sometimes you get a crazy big rack like that. Sometimes you get nothing. You just get that wad, like massive, looking like a softball growing on top of their head. Man, I, had, I, would, I think I'd have had to take out a loan. I had to take out a loan to get a full body mount on that one. It's got it's got no sack. I want I want them to be able to see that. So, but, but where like, I don't know where I'd put a full body mount. I don't. Here. I figured out later. I mean, <laughs> take I'd take like, out a big enough listen, to put the, an addition on the, the house. The kitchen the kitchen counters got, or the the dining room table's got to go. We're gonna put it right there. <laughs> you build a whole display where he's bedded down, and you make that the dining room table with a glass top. You on eat it. around him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you save at least one pack of the meat so that you can dine it on top of it yeah, once the money, once the mount's done. Oh, but I'd hate to have to cape one out to get a full body. Right. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I, 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 man, I, I can only imagine what that entails getting that done right. But before we jump into the whole story behind it, which is a really unique one to say the least, uh, I want to talk about because you you don't just you're you're not just successful at killing good deer here here in Florida repeatedly, but you seem to carry that success across the nation and kill plenty of good deer all over. Well, I have, but I I will say this, and I don't want to offend our Midwest bow hunting brothers, <laughs> but bow hunting. This is strictly my opinion. Just pull that microphone a little closer to you. Bow hunting in the Midwest is a lot easier than bow hunting here in Florida. Mm. Lots, lots easier. And I've offended a buddy of mine, David Henning, who's an outfitter out there. He doesn't like hearing that at all. I, I, I can tell you, if you've never bow hunted in Florida, you you wouldn't understand it. I mean, I, I hunted in Kentucky for five years when I lived up there, and that was... Just the hunting there in general was easier, but you didn't have to fight the mosquitoes near as bad. You didn't. There's so many factors. It's not as stinking hot as it is mm-hmm. down here. But go ahead. Sorry. But every, <clears throat> typically every say August, he'll start his feeders and run his cameras, and the first batch of picks he'll have six bucks over one fifty. You know, one might be you know pushing Boone and Crockett. And then he loves sending me the pictures. And I'm like, you're spoiled. You, you are spoiled. 
because it's difficult. Um, I try to target 100-inch deer, you know, on public land here. That's kind of my um, threshold on my cameras, trying to find one to hunt. And it is tough. I'm sure y'all would agree on that. It's, t- it's tough to shoot 100-inch deer on private land down here. Boy. So. <laughs> and, that, how, and how big do you think that one you just posted today was? He's 100, but he's only at 7 point. He's mm. got some mass to him. I, I I posted that video today literally just as like a content post, you know, just to kind of... Right. Season's winding down. You're not seeing as much stuff on, you know, the forums and stuff. So, posted like it, and I hate doing it, but I also love doing it just to hear people's opinions of the like shooter pass type of thing. I got this like six and a half year old seven point that he's been a ghost until this year. And then I'll hunt all weekend. He's there on Tuesday afternoon, like 530, you know. (laughs) <laughs> he knew he knows when I work and stuff, but I posted on uh, Florida Hunters Network today, and some of the some of the people were like, you know, you always get there's always a handful in the group like, oh, you're such an idiot. Why would you even post this? Blah blah. blah. I'm like, you're commenting on it. That's that that's <laughs> that was, what I do. I, <laughs> I, I I put content up so we can have a conversation. That's what these are for. But so what to what do you attribute? Uh, your the repeatability of your success Ooh, i would have to say and by all means you're giving me way too much credit i think because i've got <laughs> buddies that are just assassins pure assassins and i think they're they're better at killing big bucks than i am um i've been bow hunting for now for 40 years which is difficult to even say is (laughs) i'm fixing to turn 55 so anyway it's um through all those years i've and i continue to learn you know i by no means do i claim to know it all every year i try to pick up you know new techniques that kind of stuff but over over the years i've just developed um a technique that seems to work getting my hit list bucks um prior to the season when i killed him you know i wasn't running cameras i don't even think if there were cameras it was the flash 35 millimeter flash where you right. have to take the roll down to ecker drugs you know and get the, <laughs> get the haven't heard that name in a while <laughs> so but now um the biggest my biggest um i contribute the biggest factor to game cameras and blackwood deer lures and scrapes are a big if not the biggest um way that i get my hit listers every year um, for public land here in florida when i can get drawn and i don't mind saying the two spots panasofki and green swamp west where i killed that one those are the two places that i apply for for special op and I go in and I do the same thing every year. I go to pretty much the same scrapes that I that I do every year. And I try to get the cameras in by September 1st. And typically the scrapes are not even opened up yet. So I'll go in there with either my machete or I prefer just find a stick laying around close by and open up those scrapes, paw the leaves and debris away, open it up to bare dirt, dirt, 
put in black widow deer lures, whether it's hot and ready, even that early. I'll use hot and ready, hot and ready triple X, matriarch, straight doe, um, any of it. And I've even, sometimes I'll go in and I will just have straight branch butter. And branch butter is designed for the licking branches. That's the forehead gland and the preorbital gland. And sometimes I'll just have that on hand and I'll put that on the licking branches. And as it heats up, it'll drip down into the scrape and get my cameras rolling. And sometimes it's hours later, some um, that night, the next day. But I'll have bucks and does come in and they'll smell it, you know, and come in and and come into it to get in front of the camera. And then as the weeks roll by, um, deer come in and they'll start depositing their, their scent. And then the bucks start opening them up themselves and they'll start pawing the scrapes. But that's really uh, pretty much what I do. And I, now I will spend, I'll get off work, say in the morning at eight, Typically, this is would be a typical couple of days of scouting on my day, two days off. Drive an hour and five minutes to Panasofsky, get there about 9.30, quarter to 10, get out, scout, um, run cameras, my camera trot line, I like to call it, and I'll get back to the truck at sundown. Then I'll get up the next morning, get up there early, and go out and hit another area or two areas and put out cameras and I try to cover four or five different areas where there more than likely will be different bucks you know you're tar- trying to target different areas different bachelor groups then or, or different bucks and just trying to get as many hit listers that I can on camera and then um, you know the rut there in Panasofsky for instance is the I'd say mid-October through mid-November and um, I've seen chasing as early as October 5th in there but I've seen some really good chasing mid to late October on those hunts and the scrapes are just wide open come mid-October I start getting um, new bucks bigger bucks um, coming in um, showing up on scrapes and then come the, when it's time to hunt, you know, they're short four-day hunts. And you've got to hunt what other, whatever the weather is, you know, if it's 80 degrees or 50 degrees. And uh, then I'll just go in there and spend my time where the cameras dictate. So that's pretty much just boots on the ground, lots of cameras. Um, I'm not going to say how many I have just in case my wife listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart idea. It's like that. Sec- it's like a second truck payment. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. Grab grab the bottom of this and pull it towards you because you look comfortable. You kept, you scooted towards it and then scooted. You can pull the whole thing. It'll come out and up. Okay. How's that? That's much better. All right. So is is the the scrape thing? Is that something you were taught to do or something you learned through observing? I would say. When I started running game cameras, that seemed to be the easiest way to catch bucks, you know, because hunting here on public land, that's where I've 
cut my teeth and that's where I've spent, you know, just about all my time hunting here is on public. So you can't feed, you don't have a feeder. So placing the cameras on scrapes seemed to be the likely place to get where the bucks wanted to go. So that's, that's what I did. I just started running cameras on scrapes years ago. I've been with Black Widow for over 20 years using their products and it's, it's great stuff. Um, I got a question. So you're talking about opening mock scrapes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, is that like August, July? Well, we were on a, a lease up in Georgia. Um, we had that for three years and for instance, I went up there in July and opened up um, a scrape underneath a magnolia. I don't know if you remember this off the power line. But it was um, foot-high grass underneath the magnolia down in this bottom. And I took my machete and went in there and just opened it up, cut all that grass out. I had to do some trimming on the magnolia and then I took my paracord and tied it around the limb and brought it down and tied it to the main trunk of the magnolia to bring that licking, a licking branch down because there wasn't one. They were all too yep. high. And brought that licking branch down and, and bucks and does used that licking branch the rest of the summer. And then come the fall, that turned into a, an active scrape. Gotcha. So... <clears throat> I've seen it. It's one thing I've noticed. You said a magnolia, mm-hmm. even around here or like in South Georgia, there's just something about a magnolia, whether it be down in the bottom or something, there seems to always be like a rub mm-hmm. or a scrape or something anywhere near a magnolia every time you see one. Well, the magnolia, it's a soft bark. So like Green Swamp West, for instance, down in the, in the swamps, um, anytime I see a magnolia, dark green, you know, leaves off in a distance, I always go over there and inspect it because there's some magnolias in there the size of my calf that have rubs on them, or thigh, my thigh. And I've got got some pretty big legs. (laughs) (laughs) But literally, I mean, there's, I've seen uh, rubs in there, calf size up to, you know, big, big trees on magnolias magnolias cypress um pine um cedar cedar mm-hmm. trees um that soft barks they just love you know yeah i was gonna say you said cypress too it makes me think about a lot of this season a lot of places i scattered around this season the cypress trees were tore up at least the smaller sapling ones mm-hmm. just seems must be that small bark yeah. Well, you, you think about how easy you can peel the bark off of a cedar tree. Yeah. I mean, hot tip, if you didn't know, you can take the oil on the inside of cedar bark and rub it on you, keep the gnats and mosquitoes off you too. Um, but it just peels off easy. Like if you had a, a, you cut a cedar branch off and you cut it square at both ends, you can slice it with a knife and peel it off and not break the bark. Yeah. It's, it's just super kind of rubbery, but it's also not held on to the wood of the tree. Like if you try to do that with an oak tree, well, you're going to bend your thumbnails backwards trying to, you know, pick a fleck off of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just a difference in the hardwood versus that softer uh, evergreen style wood. Yeah. But 
I don't know, I've seen fresh, they planted fresh magnolia trees one time out in front of the gym, the place I used to work, come out the next morning, and the buck had come through there and rubbed all five of them magnolia trees right down through there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't give him no mercy. Man. No, man. And this is right on the side of a, a main road right through post. He just hit them, all five of them, in a straight line right in front of the gym. <laughs> oh, they like that soft bark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you find... Uh, rubs to be a reliable sign of regular travel i love hunting rub lines and and scrapes and i would have to say yes because i'll run if i see a nice rub cameras going on it right you know and um i would say here's an interesting fact so um through the years hunting west side, Green Swamp West, I've had on camera some really nice bucks. I'd say 110, 115 up to 135, I think is what the one scored. And those bucks were killed. If I look at the photo, roughly 600 to 800 yards in the direction that the buck came from. So whatever his butt is facing, those bucks were killed approximately that far in that direction. And I was hung up on hunting right there where I had the picture of him. Right. Or them. And hoping, you know, that he would come back there. And a a few of them, I heard the actual gunshot when they were killed. And it seemed like they were all um, six, eight, a thousand yards back the direction that they were on my camera is where they were killed. And so now it went in, if before a hunt leading up to a hunt, if I get a buck on camera and he's always coming from the same direction, I'll make a go up there and make a trip and look on my onyx and try to get, you know, about that distance and go and scout down through the head or down through an edge that way and see if I can find uh, scrapes or nice rubs there and move my cameras back in that direction to try to dial in on him. So, so you were saying about, uh, you know, sometimes you get hung up hunting the same spot because of your cameras, right? Mm-hmm. So I hunt majority, I've, I've hunted my whole life, is just private land, just permission pieces, you know, whatever, that are leases in Georgia. We're trying to bring him over to the dark side. So, <laughs> You've had a so I have, I have. Thanks to my dad, I have. I'll, I mean, I've, I will never, never say that I've had to work overly too hard to get the opportunities that I've got. But you know, I've made the most of them. So, I find myself doing that often, and I think that's like the laziness a mm-hmm. little bit. That's why I think that those those cameras are like devil's advocate, right? I love yes, them, I love agree. them. I've been, you know, I've. I've used them for a long time now with her cellular cameras and stuff. As soon as they came out, I used them from start to finish. I have, like you said, more than I want to talk mm-hmm. about, but I think that I, th- I think that's something that I get caught up in doing private lane. And I think that's why a lot of guys go like this year, I will be 110% honest. I should have killed that seven point that I was talking about earlier. hundred percent. There's no reason I shouldn't have killed that deer. It daylighted five or six times on the feeder, you know, but it's the middle of the week. But I didn't 
you know, I didn't boost in the ground, finding scrapes, rubs, stuff like that. And the place I'm hunting is kind of tough to find those things anyways because I'm hunting basically like the edges because mm-hmm. I can't hunt on the other sides of it. But I think that's something that a lot of people are like, oh, man, I'm just not seeing my shooter during daylight. I'm not seeing my shooter during daylight. I'm like, all right, well, where are your cameras? Oh, well, they're on, they're on a spin feeder or they're on a food plot or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, you're, you're hunting those food sources. But like you said, in that mid-October, especially down here, or even South Georgia, I noticed in my lease in Georgia, October, those bucks are not hitting those feeders except in the middle of the night, but there's scrapes there are destroying them, and they're making new ones everywhere. So I think that's something that those trail cameras are like a gift and a curse. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, he just showed up yesterday. I'm a feeder. I'm going to hunt for a week, hunt every single day and don't see him. But little do you know, he's a tenth of a mile away, and he's just raking the woods apart in the middle of the daylight. And he's making all these new scrapes. So it's like... Uh, dude, trail cameras, man. <clears throat> Love them. But it also boils down to... You, you can set a trail camera. And and I speak from experience when I say we had a trail camera set on a spot in a, a T... Well, is a four-way intersection um, <clears throat> in a creek bottom of two trails on the property we were hunting. And in the middle of it was a big sandy patch. So you could see the tracks were coming all directions to the point you couldn't tell where they came from in the leaves. You just knew they were walking in every single direction across that sand. So <clears throat> we put a trail camera in a corner facing across that to catch whatever was in it. Nothing but does. I'm like, dude, we've got so many does. Why Why are we not seeing bucks? And we just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. I said, hey, I got an idea. I said, let's take a trail camera and put it on this side and face it down that trail. It's literally 10 feet from the other trail camera. Buck, 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 buck. But they were coming in from the top, cutting across that corner, not coming right yep. up to the middle and going right down the other trail. Staying Never picking more, up on the other trail camera. Staying yeah. more hidden. Yeah. yeah. Staying yeah. back in the cover. I yep. think another thing, too, that a lot of people don't utilize with those cellular cameras, especially now that they have the ones with the solar panels integrated and stuff in them, the batteries last a little longer. That video mode, being able to see which way that those deer came into that camera, which way they left when they left that camera i started doing that this year and it's definitely a strategy where you can be like all right well i know that this deer was headed this way at you know five o'clock this morning do i even you know do do i go in my normal access that deer can't be you know that far from where i come in you drive your truck past him and if you stand there you boot you know you booger him you just the whole morning right Mm -hmm. i mean not necessarily i mean obviously i know it was my hunt over, you know, that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I started doing that this year, and it did change how I thought about, you know, accessing that property and, like, how I was getting in and out and stuff. Yeah, I would definitely recommend running video, especially really mainly only if you're on a food source. Because if you're on a trail, it's pretty easy to determine which yeah. direction the deer's walking. <laughs> is it um, facing the camera or is it looking away from it? <laughs> or going left or right. <laughs> Uh, but on a food source, taking pictures, you just all of a sudden have, like at a feeder, you, there's 10 does standing there. Well, where'd they come from? Yeah. Nobody knows. Because for some reason, trail cameras will take a picture of the most minute change in sunlight. But they won't trigger until a deer standing dead in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't get five pictures of the deer walking up and then it's at the feeder. You get a hundred pictures of the squirrel that's been there for 10 minutes. But just one picture of it's like nothing, nothing, nothing. 15 does. Where did they come from? 
Yeah. Like they <laughs> yeah, all they exactly. all jumped in front of the camera <laughs> at the teleported same time. In there, yeah. <laughs> oh. But man, and trail cameras have come a long ways. Like you're sitting old thirty five millimeter cameras. Yep. And then you, yeah. I looked up today because I was curious. You know the first trail camera was invented in like eighteen eighty? What? Yeah. Google it. Cameras? You mean nineteen eighty? Eighteen eighty. Wow. Talking like old powder flash. Or they they even have cameras in eighteen eighty? Yeah. Tin type cameras. I, you know, my stuff dad, like that. Not thirty five millimeter film. My dad ain't all that old. <laughs> if I call him old, now he'd they, be all mad. But they didn't become widely popular until the early two thousands. Like I you, I doubt you were running a trail camera when you saw it. Yeah. But they just weren't that popular. And the ones before then were super expensive. It, it was not uncommon for like wildlife biologists to run camera traps or trail cameras. It is. See? Yeah, believe it or not, the first trail cameras or camera trap was introduced by wildlife enthusiast George, however you pronounce his last name, in the late 1880s. Shiris. Look at that. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. Wow. I don't know I if that's like, the image because I clicked on it. Do you it feel like, like Joe like Rogan it. right now? Yeah, right. You yeah. just said something that automatically <laughs> popped up on the TV. Uh, but Because uh, I thought like I was going to pull this up and maybe see like 1980 and that they didn't become popular until the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Because uh, I can remember a time as a kid when we didn't have them, but I don't remember when exactly it was my dad started running the 35 millimeter cameras. When they came readily available to that right. person. So I, that, would, I would say 202. That's like the big black. 03. Like the giant black yeah. ones that yeah. have the, the, D bat- the D batteries in them. Yeah. It's yeah. like 12 D batteries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what I was saying is my dad, like, uh, we were digging through some old stuff when he first moved into his house. Um, when he moved into his house, too, that was a long time ago. I don't even know how long ago, but he was he was born in 78, and he had some of the trip ones that had, like, the timer yeah. on it yeah. to where, like, when it, I, I don't know, had it was a string. Like a string or something. Yeah, yeah a string across yep. the trail. And, like, you'd run into it, and it would, like, hit it, and it would tell you, like, what time it was or how long it had been since it was tripped or something like that. Those are, that's pretty wild. It's come from there to solar panel <clears throat> cameras that last so, years. So if, if you weren't using cameras when you shot this deer, what, I mean, were you still using the same like hunting scrapes and stuff like that? Or just boots, boots on the ground. When I, um, when I saw him, so that, Green Swamp hadn't been open. That was the first year it was open, you know, for public. And I think it was 17 scouting trips. I'm only about 15 miles from the gate, so that made it convenient. Yeah. So, real quick, was it a draw or did it just yeah. open? Okay, so yeah, you, you managed to draw it. Yep. Okay. So, it, same as, same as um, it is now, two archery hunts and three gun hunts. And back then... I was just bow hunting. So I didn't even apply for the gun hunts in there. I could have <laughs> applied for the gun hunts and bow hunted it, you know? Yeah. So um, I think it was 17 trips up there. And when I, until I saw him, I mean, I saw him a week before the season opened. And so I was going up there, um, wasn't finding, you know, it was summer. And so I wasn't finding rub scrapes. I was looking for big tracks. I'd seen uh, quite a few. It was a zoo back then, as you can imagine. It was riding my bike in. It'd be 
hogs and deer right there on the side of the, of the ranch road or river road, um, the main grade, and they would just watch me go by. And, you know, the deer, they might jump off a little bit, flag, and but, you know, they were not pressured, you know, not pressured much at all, um, minus the people, the swift mud people in there working. But I was just, the bucks I was seeing were bachelored up. So I was trying to find big tracks. And the morning that I went up there and found him, saw him for the first time, I went and looked into a new area that I hadn't been in there before. And off this big hill, um, it was a well-used trail coming off this big blackjack hill. And it was big tracks, like a bunch of big tracks. And there was um, this one, eight point, a 10 point, another eight point, four bucks um, together. And so I saw that just a bunch of big tracks. And I'm like, this has got to be a bachelor group. So I started down the trail through the scrub oaks and sugar sand, palmettos, and um, you know, following the tracks best I could. And I, of course, I would lose the tracks, and then I would just zigzag through those scrub oaks, and then I'd pick up the tracks again and just keep moving in that direction where the tracks were going and coming. And finally, came up on a a fire break, and that fire break probably the length of this table in that fire break they were just that's where they were crossing i mean it was night you know obvious yeah and just big tracks crossing right there back and forth old tracks reined in brand new tracks fresh kicked up dirt from that morning so i stepped over the fire break went went across it went down in there and then about 150 yards down in there is where i walked up on him that morning about an hour after daylight so i was just looking for i guess then as much as i can remember looking for big tracks you know and then trying to um go in there and see what i could see so it's just a stump that can still be utilized today that too many people overlook like you know we talked about truck cameras but there's a lot of people that just walk in and think like hey i'm gonna set this trail camera and that's how i'm gonna find a deer like they're, they're not in there looking for tracks and mm-hmm. cameras can make you com- complacent, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it, it makes it easy on the hunters, but, um, still got to find them. Yeah. Still have <laughs> I, to. I, I, reliance on technology has a te- technology in, in a lot of today's hunting is, is, people have attempted to use uh technology to replace woodsmanship you can't do that yeah you can can use it in conjunction with it to make you a better hunter and to expand upon your already good woodsmanship or to make you know uh, if you're using technology to either get you started in the right direction you confirm it with boots on the ground or you use the cameras to confirm what you think you see uh, it's, that's different than just going out there and going, yeah, these look like woods. Yeah. Put a choke camera right <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> but I, I got to ask, what in the world went to your head the first time you saw that thing? Ooh. 
and it's uh, not even hunting season yet. And probably you know something just like that. You know like there's going to be, <laughs> you know there's going to be other people in there hunting, you know, around you and the same deer and what's going through your head when you see that thing. It was a Monday morning. The season opened the following Saturday. <clears throat> and, you know, I was, I followed the tracks across and I was in there. Um, and there were, they had bulldozed or something, a bunch of blackjacks and, there was new growth, and they were probably knee to thigh high, new growth um, blackjack oaks and just clusters of acorns all in them. And then where I was at, there was, you know, your typical scrub oak trees and scattered pines and palmettos, and that's where I was slipping through and just tracks going both directions, um, all directions, different aged tracks, big tracks. They were all big tracks. And, um, you know, I'm looking around and it was still a little foggy, you know, hour after daylight. And I just looked up and there he was. Tw- he couldn't have been 25 yards, 30 yards from me. And, you know, I could see his, his back and, you know, 10 inches down on his back. And his head was down in the scrub oaks, but I could see the the top back of his rack moving. And I I looked. I'm like, what is? What am I looking at? That deer's got a tree branch on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, when he picked his head up, he he just picked his head up, and he was I could hear him chewing on the acorns. And I remember him just standing there, jaw moving. And looking around, and I'm like, what in the world? And I think 17 points is all I could count, and then I would lose track of what I counted because he kept moving his head around. And um, he was just walking around, and he'd lean his lean his rack back, and with that drop time, he would lean his head back, and he was scratching his back with that <sighs> Oh, drop man. Time. And then he'd bring his um, rear paw up, his hoof, scratch the side of his face. And I don't know, I watched him for a few minutes. And then uh, all of a sudden he went from docile to full alert. And I guess the wind shifted. And he didn't know where it was coming from, but he alerted. And then he started walking off. You know how they stiff leg, and each time they put their foot down, their head and his ears are back, and he's looking. And he hopped off, went over there, went around a flag pond, stood on the other side of the flag pond, and then looked back and stared at me for maybe five minutes, just statue, not moving. And he's 80, 100 yards away now. <laughs> and then he just turns and disappears into a over your head wall of gallberries and palmettos. And um, so I I was like, holy mackerel. You know, what did I? Yeah, what <laughs> did I just see? <laughs> yeah, I know where I want to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I picked out a pine tree. I was like, okay, I lock on right there. So I went home and got a stick ladder, 12-foot stick ladder, and the the cheapest lock on that you can imagine is what I had. <clears throat> I think it was a $35 
lock on from Sportsman's Guide or something like that. Grabbed that, went back out there, rode my bike back in there, parked the bike, hauled that in there. Now it's middle of the day, that same that same day. And I'm walking in there, stick in one hand, lock on in the other, and I get about a hundred yards from the tree that I'd picked out that morning and I looked up and all four of those bucks were standing right in there eating acorns where the he was standing that morning. Same spot. Same spot. And they're all looking at me. And I just froze and then they turned and they just started loping off tails you know they summer coats so the tails were that long and that wide (laughs) and they were just flagging off and they went across that flag pond and went right into that wall of gallberries that he went in that morning and i was i was like man now they they feel pressured you know now they're Mm -hmm. boogered them and i've learned i've learned him twice I wouldn't have slept for five days. <laughs> it, it was rough. I'm telling you. So I just I went in there, set up my stand, got out, and went back in there, opening, opening morning. Now, hang on. Let, let's take a break real quick before okay. we dive all the way into the story. Okay. The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in the hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. So, before we before we let you get all the way into the story, did, how did you learn to hunt? So, um, my uh, stepdad, uh, my mom remarried when I was four to my stepdad, and then I would go dove hunting with him, turkey hunting, fishing a lot, a lot of fishing down on Kissimmee. And then he was killed at work when I was nine, 10 days before my 10th birthday. And that was, that was a rough time because he was my father figure. You know, I I looked at him as my dad. And then, so I was nine, basically 10. And then from that point, um, his brother and his dad, so my step uncle and my step grandfather, um, continued to take me and, um, man, I was with my uncle and I, I refer, always refer to him as my uncle and grandfather. Right. And, um, so I always went with my uncle and, um, you know, walking in his footsteps and, and he was teaching me, you know, way of the woods, you know, what to look for. Um, so then, you know, from 10 to, 18, 19, you know, I was going with them a lot. And then, and then I started driving and, you know, going on my own, but mainly 
my uncle and grandfather and um, my uncle, um, my other uncle um, down in Punta Gorda, um, Kick. So uncles and grandfather. So it's been a family thing since you were a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I loved it so much. Um, You know, I just kept going. And every chance I got, you know, just getting in the woods. So. So did you ever at any point, even the day you first saw this buck, think, man, I might break a record? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, that, that never, never entered my mind. Did you even have any idea what the record might have been at no. that time? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if, there, if I knew there was a record book. Then. <laughs> you know? The Florida Registry, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> so it, even to date, sure, it's a, you know, buck of a lifetime, but, you know, I, it's, it's in the big scheme, it's just a deer, you know. It is, you know, the state record, but, and it is very nice to, to say I have that, but I don't dwell on it, you know, at all. And I really don't like to bring it up. Um, I've got plenty of buddies that always like to bring it up, you know, and embarrass me. <laughs> hey, across the store. Hey, aren't you James Stovall? The guy that killed the... I'm, I'm like, you know... It wouldn't no, be nice to be embarrassed by killing the 206 <laughs> You think so, but not after, what, 24 years? <laughs> it's still going, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'd like to say if you like that could get old, but for a while, I mean, it's got to be cool. And I guess it does. It would get old to get, get that all the time. I mean, it is, it, I'm not gonna lie. It is still cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I but, mean, look at, you got 25 years later, there's somebody reaching out to him for a podcast for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's that's just something I don't know. I think uh, when when you're a, a little boy, maybe you, you dream about killing that monster buck and being the next world record holder or whatever. But now as an adult, I'm like, man, I I don't. Uh, every year I set out on you know you set on a mission to go and kill a good buck, but it's never in my mind that this year's the year I've got to kill the record. In fact. Uh, of all the deer that I've killed to be proud of, I'd have to say the one that I'm most proud of is the one that my son killed this year. That little four point he shot was a five. Five. Yeah. Man, you hang a ring on it. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, man, I don't know that I've been that excited to, to see a deer go down in my life. Yeah. Period. <laughs> I, th- I think as a true outdoorsman, your goal coming into each year is to see something come out of your time spent in the woods right you you enjoy your time spent in the woods whether it be and it doesn't even have to be a harvest right you you Mm -hmm. take something from every day that you spend in the woods there's people that uh i mean we got some people listen to the podcast that have been we work with like jake that have been hunting for like five years and he didn't kill anything this year but he's taken a lot from this year he has made like huge steps this year yeah he finally so saw a deer yeah. from the tree stand yeah <laughs> and when yeah, you so start it's, even it's to better yourself even if you're killing deer every year and you're tagging out and you're doing all that if you're not if you're not getting better every year 
as a hunter, you're doing yourself a disservice anyways. Yeah. Just because you got a, like I said earlier, a garage full of deer horns, it don't make you a better hunter than the guy that's killed five in his life. You know, he might, he'll probably out hunt you even in certain situation. So I think that's something, that's, it, a, that's it, a good outlook to look at it like yeah. that. It all depends on what you do it for. And I think as you go and grow uh, in the woods, that changes. Yeah. Well, you you touched on how proud you were when your son killed his buck or killed his deer. Mason here, um, you know, to be honest, I don't even like going without him. And, um, and I try to instill in him that when we go off on our trips, like when we went to Kansas, um, I've changed my outlook on hunting. And I think this is just because of how old I am and, you know, how long I've been doing it. And um, I don't, let me see how I can work. I don't have to kill one for it to be a successful trip. Oh, absolutely. I thoroughly enjoy my trips. I'm thankful that I'm able to to take them and, and hunt where monsters live. And now I'm able to, you know, take Mason. Mason is 16, but he hunts well past his years. Um, he hunts like a, a grown man, and he has for years. And But I instill in him that when we go on these hunts, say it's a five-day Midwest hunt with an outfitter, um, don't dwell on thinking that you have to kill a deer because you get into day three and day four rolls around and you haven't killed one yet and you start, the stress starts building up and you start feeling like, oh, man, time's running out. I got to kill one. And it just takes away from the whole experience. And um, I learned that the hard way um, going on these on hunts and, and that happening, you know, and, and you just, it just takes away from the whole experience. And, and really it doesn't matter if I'm going to the Midwest or, or, you know, hunting local, you know, I, I just don't, I don't have to kill one, you know, to, to have a good experience, a good outcome. I was drawn for two Panasofsky hunts or my wife was. Thank you, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that those are transferable, right? Special ops, and I did not go to either one of those hunts. Um, and I, I just had low energy this year. Um, didn't have a lot of up and going in me, and so I just basically burned both of those permits. And um, looking back, I'm like shaking my head that, you know, why did I do that? Because that's not like me. But, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I enjoy going. The camera thing, it's become a hobby. You know, enjoy um, getting the, seeing what I can see on camera. And um, it's just um, when... Now the the trips are really about him getting giving him the opportunities to, uh, you know, have success. So we went up to um, Ohio last year before last, 
and um, I was the hunter. Mason went with me and just sat, and um, I messed a 150-inch 10-point, hit him, and lost him on the last day. That hurt. Oh, I yeah. bet that that'll that'll make you puke. But um, it was it was a great experience, um, sharing that with with Mason, and um, so it's all about him now. You know the in years past, up up until this year, I always felt some sort of pressure going to uh, a pressure going to the woods that because we do eat deer meat as our red meat here. That I need to kill, I need to kill a couple good does so that we've got meat for the freezer, and then I can really focus in on trying to kill a good buck, right? And now I've got a seven-year-old who is just a deer killing machine. I told my wife, I said I've never felt such low pressure, and I could enjoy just everything about the woods. Not a big deal anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have to worry about that. The kid opening opening uh, day of or the second day, because we, we didn't hunt that Friday, the second day of the Alabama youth season, deer on the ground. Next morning, another deer on the ground. I'm like, Psh. My wife says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm hunting horns. <laughs> I said, I may not kill a deer for the next three or four years. I said, he can shoot the freezer meat all he wants. Yeah. He can shoot the does. I don't care. I said, I'm out there to watch him hunt, facilitate his hunting, and he's a cocky little sucker because – he brings it up all the time at dinner. Oh, I killed that deer. And I said, you're awful cocky for somebody who can't drive. Um, <laughs> That's a long walk. <laughs> a long walk to Alabama. Yeah. He'll, just, he'll just call grandpa. He don't even know how to use a permit system either. Right. <laughs> Neither do I. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, it just, now I can sit back and, you know, really let him do the work to fill the freezer and I can enjoy every little bit of everything. And that is such a great feeling to, to be able to do that. And that's something I've been looking forward to for years. I mean, I've been toting him around with me. I started taking him two, three times a year when he was about three years old. And then, uh, about the time he turned four or so, he was going almost every single time that I was going. Cause between, you know, I've got me and my dad. So we get up in the morning and I'm like, who are you going to hunt with? Oh, I want to go hunt with grandpa. I'm like, okay, see you later in the afternoon. I want you dad. Okay. So we go over here and somewhere else. And you just, he, he gets to hunt wherever he wants to. He has a great time and it's the pressure's off sort of. But now the, now the pressure's on to kick cause my, my daughter, my four year old daughter, <clears> she <throat> wants a deer head for her room. So daddy's got to get to work. I'll say he's still willing to put the pressure on you, though, because he's not happy if he doesn't see something. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were grateful to have a pretty nice lease up there in Georgia for three years. And, of course, when running cameras on uh, on feeders, um, you know, when the hit listers started popping up, number one, two got taken by Mason. He's like, oh, that's he'd name them. That's my buck. I'm going to hunt him. And like, all right, I'll I'll take three and four. <laughs> so, you get a whole new hit list. So it's good. It's uh, the last year we were up there. I was hunting this bottom, and man, it was a 130 inch eight pointer. Here he comes down through the bottom, and I had my bow and my rifle, and he's walking right in my lap. I stand up, grab my bow. And uh, next thing I know, he's walking out of my lap and didn't get him. And uh, he walked by me, by me at 42 yards and 
I just, I was at, at the time I was shooting a single, single pin. I'm trying to range him, you know, and not move, you know, and so he wouldn't see me. And anyway, moved my dial. It didn't work and just hung my bow up and texted him. And I said, well, I just messed up. I saw him and I didn't get him, but it's all good. So I want to hear from Mason some, but I want to hear the story of the day you killed this. I was going to say, take us back to September 24th, 1999, about seven o'clock in the evening, the the, the, the evening before. Yeah. Where you're about to wet yourself because you know. You're putting your your war paint on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, when I get to the, I was the first one at the check station that Saturday morning. And I, I had a really inexpensive uh, game, uh, camcorder from uh, Best Buy. And when I saw him, I told my wife, I said, I'd been wanting to video my hunts. And so I already had the camera arm. And I went to Best Buy and I bought a, a camera. Um, Sony, whatever it was. And... Um, so at the check station, I was the first one in line, propped up the camera on the hood, gave it like a, an intro. It was real weak. <laughs> <laughs> real weak. We've been there. It's all right. Um, and checked in, went and parked, got on my bike. Um, it was my mom's bike. It was a beach cruiser. It was uh, pink highlights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the deer um, were like, here he comes, boys. <laughs> big old beach cruising seat on it. And Anyway, I rode that back in there and uh, parked, went and got up in the stand, and it was a full moon. And I'm trying to put my camera arm into the pine tree. And I'm trying to screw that in. And I hear palmettos, and I look around the tree, and there was quite a bit of sugar sand down there. And I I don't know if it was him, but I, I'm pretty sure it was the four bucks. Well, they're coming from the fire lane, you know, where that trail crossing was, coming from that direction, and they walk under me, and I saw one. And I could see his rack, you know, kind of highlighted against the sugar sand walking by. And I saw another body, and then I could just hear, you know, the other deer walking in the palmettos. And they were going in the direction of those, uh, that pond and where they disappeared the week before. So they, <clears throat> they go by me. And I don't think I saw the first deer until 10 o'clock, 10.30. It was a lone doe on the other side of the flag pond. And I wasn't going anywhere. I was stuck to that little cheap lock on all day. I was not getting down. <laughs> and <clears throat> so the afternoon rolls around and bad thunderstorm comes in. And I take the camera off, put it in my little bag, um, put it underneath the seat between my feet. And I'm just hunkered down. Ride that storm out. Um, so now the 
storms passed and I mean it was lightning and thundering and all that and um, so the storm had gone by and I'm looking around rains dripping from the trees and I just looked that direction and I'm panning around and when I look back something catches my eye and it's this buck and he is shaking he's out there outside those dog fin- or um, gallberries over there and he's shaking just like a dog <clears throat> after a bath and um, I'm like holy mackerel <clears throat> so I reach down <clears throat> get the camera remount it and I'm able to get some footage of him from the tree stand and there's another at this point he's about 100 yards or so away from me and there's a big oak tree over there and he walks over underneath that oak tree and is feeding around and there was he had one other buck with him and it was uh probably 115 inch eight point and they're feeding around and then the eight point leaves him and commits to going towards that crossing up there which is back this direction and this buck just continues to feed around underneath that oak tree over there but he keeps lifting his head up looking at the eight point that just left him walking up and um, so a few minutes goes by five minutes and he's still feeding around and then all of a sudden he just looks like he's committed which he is and he starts walking that direction kind of feeding milling around walking in that direction I said man he's going to the crossing so I I cannot do this I've tried but I took my bow and I grabbed the top limb with my teeth on my bow and I swung around and I had the 12 foot stick ladder swung around off that lock on and I start coming down that stick ladder with the bow in my teeth and looking and I get about I don't know about halfway down and the deer picks his head up and I freeze and then he continues well I climb down once I get about a third of the way down there's a little hill in between us so we, we can't see each other then so I hit the ground and I basically do a a half circle and get in front of him and I had to go about 60 70 yards probably from my tree and I got around to as far as I dared um, go without feeling like I was out in the open went to the last little scrub oak and I knew where the, the crossing was and I knew where they were coming and once I got there I just eased up and I had my head net on and just eased up, and I'm standing there looking, and I see him. I, I never saw the eight-pointer until after I shot him. So I see uh, my buck, and he's he's walking up, walking up, and now he's at the point where he's not going to get any closer, and he's starting he's going to start getting further away. And at the time, I was shooting a single pin, and all week you want you asked earlier what did i do all week you know how i slept well all week i shot every day and down from the house um 
there's a lot of sugar sand on the side of the road. And I would go down there every afternoon. And I was shooting year-round. Anyways. And anyway. Yeah. I shot a lot. But um, shooting a single single pin at 20 yards. And so every afternoon I was going down to the, um, to the sugar sand. And I took a shovel and I had um, empty milk jugs. And <clears throat> I dug a little, just a little pit enough where I could stick the milk jug in there. And then I would get up and stand on my toolbox of my uh, pickup truck. And I would shoot at 20, 30, 40, and 50 yards. I had milk jugs. And <clears throat> it was just Kentucky windage. You know, I'd shot enough with the single pin that, um, you know, I knew just holding over, you know, mm-hmm. 30 yards, you know, I'd hold over eight inches, you know, roughly. And I learned that week at 50 yards to hit that 50-yard milk jug, the bottom of my sight housing had the bubble, you know, down mm-hmm. there. And I would put that bubble on the milk jug. And I'd shoot, and my broadhead would hit the milk jug. And I'm like, well, that's my 50-yard mark. So I didn't have a rangefinder. And so the moment of the shot, I'm like, I don't know how far he is, but I'll just hold the bubble on him. And I shot, and it was kind of like slow motion. My arrow, you know, at the time I was shooting a a Buckmaster permit, uh, PWC, perimeter weighted cam, probably shooting 200 and 30 feet a second. I was about to say, you're not shooting, you know, a 340. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, My arrow launched, went out there, and I spined him. Hit him in the spine, and his rear end collapsed, and he dropped. And instantly, you know, he's kind of hollering. And he's picking his head up, and he's trying to go, but he, he can't go. And... Um, just out of nowhere, that eight point just like jumped and he's standing right there over him. Like what's going on? You know, what's up? And well, I just let loose and I holler. And when I hollered that eight point beelined back towards that big oak tree and back towards where they were bedding earlier. And, um, my buck, I can see his head and and rack and neck kind of coming up and down. Well, I start running towards him, knocking another arrow. And the second shot was 30, 35 yards. And um, he was just using his front legs trying to dig. And the second arrow hit him um, about the last rib, and it came out his chest. Went up. Done. Went up through him, and then he collapsed. And... uh, so I instantly, I didn't go up to him. I ran back to the stand, climbed back up, um, turned the camera back on with the screen flipped around, and I'm crying, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but yeah. it happened, you know, and it was surreal. It was a surreal moment, and, um, you know, and then I packed everything up real quick, and, 
went back over to him and started recording and walked up to him and you know i didn't i had no idea what i had you right know. It, i just knew it was a big deer yeah that's, i'd say uh, so yeah <laughs> I, I i i still am just like i mean i've been how long i've been in here an hour i'm still dumbfounded i keep looking over there like it's gonna get smaller and it's not because see i keep catching out of the corner of my eye i see no at i'm turned this I, side yeah, i'm turned completely keeps. away from the table hunter was laughing at me earlier for sitting here i was laughing <laughs> i was laughing because he was telling like the scouting story about seeing the deer on monday and the damn season didn't open until Saturday, I'd be like, man, I'm going to lose my mind in those five days. I would not know what to do with myself. <laughs> so, so I mean, in the midst of crying and everything, having harvested to this deer, like, what is going through your head? Oh, man, just, <clears throat> you know, I got him. You know, I, I can't believe it. I got him. I went back over there, set the camera up, <clears throat> you know, recording, got in front of them, and I forgot how to count. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Wait, wait, wait. And I, I had to count um, at least two or three times, you know, to count them. And, um, you know, when I saw him, I lost count. at se- All I could count was 17. So I knew he was 17. So when I had my hands on him and I'm like, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And I just kept going. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so I I drug him, and it was still daylight. It's funny because the, the rumors, you know, they started, you know, and every rumor you can imagine, um, you know, shot him at night, you know, all this. And I was like, no, I got video to prove that. And so I drug him to the fire break, rode my bike back out to the truck, and it was, I think it was the last bit of shooting light when I got back to the truck, because I was surprised that there was a hunter there sitting on the tailgate on the truck beside mine. And um, he's like, do you have any luck? And I said, oh my goodness, did I? I said, you won't believe the one I shot. He goes, you need help? And I said, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that guy had no idea what he was walking up on. <laughs> so he jumped in my truck, and we drove back in there. And um, we pulled up there. I hit the high beams. And, um, you know, you could see him laying there, but you really, you know, you didn't really know exactly what it was until you got up there. So we got out of the truck, and I can't say on here what he said, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he helped me drag it over, throw it in the back of the truck. We went back, and his buddies weren't back yet to the truck. And um, he goes, well, I guess I'll see you up at the check station. So, all right. So I drove up to the check station and backed up, and there were already at least 20, 30 people up there. Um. I backed up to the check station, got out. A little proud moment. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, like this, you know. Jeez. It was a good feeling going back there and dropping that tailgate. He's like, yeah, I just killed a little one, you know, nothing special. That's what I'm saying. That guy, you're like, hey, you need some help? 
He's probably thinking he shot like a basket six point or something, you know. It's Florida. <laughs> Walk over there, there's a two hundred six inch buck laying there. You're like, where did you shoot that? Yeah. So, think he went back there and hunted there the next morning. Yes, <laughs> I guarantee he probably hunted in his stand. <laughs> but anyway, so you're approaching. You you drop your tailgate at the check station. Yep, and um, you know everybody, you know all like holy mackerel. You know, and the check station operator, um, I remember him saying, that's what I'm talking about. I told y'all there were big bucks out here. That's what I'm talking about. So, got it out on the concrete by the skinning pole. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there holding the deer. And there were, felt like like a movie star. You know, yeah. there was <laughs> a half moon, yeah. 20 plus people around me and, um, they were taking pictures and, you know, turning this way, turning this way. And so I was, you know, it was like a photo shoot. Yeah. And I had several of those guys. I didn't, I still don't really know them, but, um, they mailed me pictures that they took on their, um, like, Edward, like Edward the st- disposable camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I still have those at the house, but, um. Yeah, so um, the whole story on how it became official <clears throat> was he was mis misscored. So the biologist at the time, um, he was a biologist for the state. Um, he knew what what deer, big deer were, and he knows how to score them, and so. When I had him officially scored, the gentleman that scored him, he was an official state scorer, but he said, he is, I've never scored a non-typical. I don't know if I scored it correct or not. You might want to get a second opinion. Those were his exact words. Well, the first score sheet was 193 and change. And I was like, great. Yeah. Right. Wow. Better. 90, yeah. 90 inch deer. And I submitted it. And once you submit a score sheet, that's it. You know, you can't shop around for a higher score. And so when I later when I talked to the biologist and told him what he scored, and he's like, James, I think he's I think he's bigger than that. And uh, he goes, Do you mind if I score him? So I met him and he scored it. And he goes, James, he's he was wrong and i said well it's funny you say that because he said he didn't know if he scored it right and he goes oh we need to get this fixed you know this needs to be addressed because i think you have the new state record because my numbers have him has him at the new state record and if he is the new record he needs to be yeah acknowledged so he really um he took it by the horns, literally, and fought up there in Tallahassee. And they were like, okay, well, we'll panel score it. And that's how the whole thing, the new rule, is if there is a deer submitted within 10 inches of the current state record, it'll be panel scored. And so we, um, it was five people, and we set up the date for, um, FWC office off a of drain field there in South Lakeland. 
And my wife and I, we went and dropped it off. I think we went to Denny's or somewhere and had breakfast and came back a couple hours later, walked in the front lobby and they were like, okay, come on back here. And we walked in the big conference room and there was probably mm, 10 people maybe in there. All the scorers and some other people, the public information officer for FWC. And as soon as they walked me in the door, door open, we walked in, everybody stood up and started clapping. And I, I've got goosebumps. I was about to say. Yeah. I've got goosebumps now reliving that. And they all stood up and started clapping. And one gentleman walked up to me. Stuck his hand out, shook my hand, and he said, congratulations, you are officially the new state record holder. And surreal moment, you know. It's pretty awesome. I could tell you, if that was me at Denny's, I'd have said, I have a glass of orange juice, two scrambled eggs, and a check, please. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so... So you said they scored him at what one ninety three? Yeah, the original, the the first score, the guy scored him at one ninety three and seven six eights. Or it's crazy because I'm looking at the thing right now because I was trying to figure it out. So you were two all time at that point because number one would yeah. have been yeah Durant would be two oh one and three eights. Mm-hmm. So you'd have been right there behind him at one ninety three. Yep. So that's. I mean, you like like you said, you were like you were happy with that score. You're yeah. number two all time, yeah. and then turn of events, bam! Yeah. You know, you're short of me, thirteen inches. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty he wild. Grow, he grossed two twelve, and we we talked earlier. I hate net. So yeah. yeah, you know, if the deer yeah. grew it, you know, give him give him credit for it. But yeah, it's um, and then you know the news started getting out, and um. Bass Pro, the the curator, I guess the museum curator, some some guy from Bass Pro called me and they wanted to purchase him, you know, and I was like, do I get some gift cards? <laughs> 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 and yeah, so they they bought him, they bought the rights, and um, the original is in the Bass Pro Springfield um, Whitetail Museum, which Mason and I we went up there this November and looked at him in the museum laid eyes on him for the first time in 24 years and that mount looks bad <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a it's an antique ears almost are, ears are splitting <laughs> and so but yeah he's the original is up there in the museum and then the bass pros they have replicas and so i was about to say i know i know for a fact that i've i've stopped a couple of times and seen the one in orlando Oh yeah, because I've I yeah. pointed out to my wife back when she was my girlfriend when we first came. Like that's the biggest deer ever killed in the state of Florida, right there. Yeah, I'm, I mean I've seen it too, but I never thought I'd be sitting here with. No, it. I mean no. I, I could lean over and touch it. I'm not going to because it's delicately. I feel like it's so super delicately balanced on that pole. And I think I know you should, already said you got you one know, replica. We need a glass. You need a glass, <laughs> uh, like a glass thing around it, like a trophy. He, like a trophy case. He was telling me when he set it up, he used to have two, but the other one is in a shoebox now. Well, I don't know yeah. where it is now, but, but yeah. So it's a you know replica, and it, the horns are like plaster of Paris. They're it's really not a real solid material. And um, yeah, I used to have two replicas, and I loaned the other one out. 
to a, a buddy. His uncle took it to a wild game dinner and for his church, and he um, gave it back to me in a, in a shoebox. And he mm. hung it up to step back to see if it was level, and it wasn't hooked right. And it dropped and shattered. And um, then this one, if you looked at it real close, you'd see where the points have been. Some of the points have been glued back on, and there's <laughs> fracture marks. Um, loan that one out. I used to write for a magazine, Onshore Offshore Magazine, um, over in Tampa, St. Pete. And um, at the Frank Sargent show, he was set up, and he wanted to borrow it to set up in his booth. And, yeah, sure, took it over there, and um, same, same thing. He dropped it and broke it broke it up and um he was he was about crying when he called me and told oh me. i i couldn't imagine yeah, yeah. the pr- the pressure first of all but i'm like dude don't don't worry about it just so i got it back and i i pieced it together myself and um glued it back together and kind of like humpty dumpty i guess <laughs> <laughs> and uh but you know if it fell right now I'm poised. I'm poised to dive. I'll say, needless to say, it doesn't get loaned out anymore. No. So I kind of want to, we've heard your story. I want to hear from Mason now about how, you know, what your dad's instilled in you in hunting and some of your hunting stories too. Yeah. I started when I was, I was going in the woods. I think I was like two or three. I was on his shoulders walking in the woods. And there's trail cam pictures of that. He would be working a scrape. He'd be making a mock scrape. And I'd be over there in the background with another stick copying what he's doing. Yeah. I have that. <laughs> I have that picture. I look over and he's got, he's, he's as tall as this table and he's got a stick. He doesn't even know what he's doing, but he's got a stick and he's, scraping out the scrape <laughs> yeah. the stick. and I'm like that's my boy yeah. <laughs> and then I I got behind the gun first was I was like five years old I had a 410 break action and my first hunt was in Baird's unit it was a deer hunt and sitting on like a palmetto flat we saw some deer in the distance and we moved and some pigs came running by. I shot the pig. I shot a pig. It was my first harvest. I was five. And then I was seven. I, I was six when I got my first bow. And seven, I harvested my first pig with a bow. And that was a cool hunt. We saw a lot of pigs. A lot of them. That place is not open anymore. There was lots. Yeah, and that's an accomplishment in itself to harvest something with a bow. Seven, seven years, years old. old. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we had got out of the blind and we were sneaking up on him, and I'm behind him and I'm trying to coach him. You know, Mason, just you know, just get up. He's he looks back. He goes, Dad, I got it. <laughs> 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 That's what I did. I know exactly what that's like. He goes, <laughs> he looks back at me, Dad, I got it. 
at seven. Yeah. Oh, I, listen, <laughs> I know exactly what that's like. You ain't even got to seven yet. No, he's he's about to turn eight. But oh, is he seven? Yeah. Same age. Jeez. So I just I just took a step back, and that Joker crawled up there, twelve yards, ten yards from me, and uh, shot that hog while he was sleeping. <laughs> he was. They were up in the palmettos and rooting out, you know, and they were all up there sleeping. You just see ears flopping and, and he drew back. He was on his knees and he drew back and shot and pigs went everywhere squealing. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, he goes, I got him. I got him. And he got him. (laughs) I think he was shooting 35 pounds and he shot him with a, um, a Magnus two blade stinger, stinger, and uh, buzz cut, and um, yeah, killed him. I just got my boy was out there yesterday. Shoot, he's got that little diamond infinite edge, and he's going to town wearing it out out there in the backyard yesterday. <laughs> he's he's itching to hunt with a bow. I got I, <clears throat> I've got to get my. You see, I you can tell the pressure is truly off because I've chosen to go with the true struggle oh. stick. <laughs> from here on out uh so That's impressive you're uh, crazy hey man I, <laughs> it looked like fun it's probably not gonna be but i'm gonna do it anyway but it's gonna be fun <laughs> uh but uh i, I ain't I, killed enough with the, i ain't killed enough with a compound to pick one of them up yet boy you how many deer i've killed with a compound bow none two two, two. i didn't kill my first deer with a bow until i was t- 21 21 or 22? I was in college, so I was yeah. eight, 19, 18. I didn't go to college. So Mason's got y'all spanks on Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, I mean. So so you killed your first pig with a bow at uh, seven, right? Where do we go from there? Then I think it was like eight or nine, and we got on a lease in the panhandle, and I shot. I was struggling. Yeah, he did a lot of shooting back then. (laughs) (laughs) I was struggling with a rifle. There would be 100 yards, I would miss. I was trigger happy. I was wanting to get it done. And then it took, I don't know how many deer. I probably could have almost doubled what I've got. And He did kill his first buck on that lease. Mm -hmm. Little, cute little, looks like a little goat baby goat on the wall <laughs> he was Love a little it. bigger than your first buck <laughs> yeah yeah his first buck was bigger than my first but buck, not by so. much <laughs> but we were in the same stand together when he killed it and we rattled and grunted him in it was yeah. pretty cool he came running in and he goes we had some decent bucks on camera and he's like should i shoot it shoot it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it's cool but he's yeah continue I killed, I think I killed two or three off of that lease. And then we lost it the next year. And it was good that we lost it because that's when one of the major storms Hurricane came Hurricane Michael went through mm. yeah, and we Port St. Joe. We saw pictures of our that lease after that next year, and it was totally different. All the pines. Snapped off. Yeah. It snapped off like where the stands were. And then we got on another lease down like Avon Park. And it was, it wasn't as good. We yeah. didn't see as many deer, and 
I don't think we ended up killing anything. <laughs> Maybe a pig off of that. But we have some decent fucks in there. And then we got on and we lost that lease. And then we got another lease in Georgia. That's when we got on Georgia lease. That was where it really opened up. And we saw lots of deer. We had lots of encounters. A lot of shot opportunities. And that was where it really hit me as like a something I want to do a lot. And I would, we had the cell cams. And every morning when I got up, I would always check those. Because they're always there. We had feeders, and we had some bucks. We already named them. This one buck named Lone Star. He was the biggest one we had on camera on that property today. He was big. And back then, like, I didn't really see too many big deer. And to me, he was just a cool-looking deer. But now, like, looking back at it, and now since I know, seen more deer, he really stuck out now. Like, seeing that picture pop back up, it's like, oh, like... 260 pounds. He was a toad. 135-inch, <sighs> yeah. 9 Good point. lord. Yeah. yeah he yeah. was a toad. Yeah, and big. He was the most sporadic deer. You didn't know what time he was going to come out. We'd be hunting that spot morning and afternoon. We'd be back at camp. 11 o'clock, and he'd be at the feeder. Yeah. <laughs> 11 o'clock, and it's hot. 95 degrees. The, hot, the heat of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's standing at the feeder. It's like, oh. He was daylight more than he was coming through there at night. He was, we should have killed him, but it would it would have needed some all day sets. Yeah, but he's he's passed more good deer than I think a lot of men have passed. Absolutely, you know he's he's come up he's he's well beyond his years. I'm proud of him. He's uh, you know we'll get a. Back when we had it, we'll get a deer on camera, and I'll be like, man, I think I might want to go sit on him. And he's like, Daddy, we need to give him one more year. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've created that's a monster. How, that's how my little sister is. My little sister is, is the same exact way. She's 15, so she's and she's killed a handful of bucks with a rifle. She doesn't bow hunt or anything, but she's the same way. She's like, like I shot a 10-point this year, and he was running a doe pretty hard across the cotton field in Georgia. I said, that's a pretty good buck. You know, a nice frame. And uh, I shot him and sent her a picture. She goes, why are you shooting them three-year-olds for? <laughs> <laughs> but That's got to hurt. Dude, she's passed. I, I don't know how she does it because she only gets, I mean, obviously their kids are in school all the time, and so they only get to hunt, you know, on breaks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she does piano and horseback riding and all that, all everything else, and she does the same thing. It's like... Oh, no, I've seen four bucks tonight, one eight-point, probably 120-inch eight-point. He's, he's young. Yeah, thick neck. I said, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to sit there tomorrow. He better not come out again. <laughs> yeah. You said, that thick neck looks like freezer meat. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes, I, well, no doubt, I think people, I don't know, it gets, people put too much emphasis, you know, let him go, shooter, non-shooter. You know, for each his own. If it if you're happy with them, you know, and you want to fill one of your tags with a buck, yep. shoot them. You know. So, <clears throat> I actually had a conversation with the, the taxidermist that mounted my buck, and he said, "Do you think social media has hurt hunting?" In a way, I, I think so. And I said, "I think that it's brought 
a lot more people in. But I think it also brought, uh, I think COVID brought a lot of people in just because people had nothing else to do or go to the woods. But I said, I think it's also in a way, because you think when you take social media, like if you killed this buck in today's age, Oh, it God. would get blasted. Oh yeah, high fence. Well, look yeah. at look at oh, the dude yeah. from. It would go everywhere. But the thing is, that when people see a deer like that, you get the novice hunter that says those deer are in Florida, right? So I think some people seeing bigger deer harvested, at least in the state of Florida and and possibly other states as well, I think it gives them a hope that they can wait it out and kill bigger deer. But I think it also in a turn when people see like bigger deer killed they kill their first deer and it's a five point or something they almost feel ashamed of you see it all the time like oh don't give me hate but this is my first deer i'm like mm-hmm. and that's your first deer congratulations is yeah. what all if, that needs if to be that said. makes you happy and if you cried over that or if you just got insanely excited over killing that deer hey more power to you brother yeah. I, but I, <clears throat> I think social media has done far much more better for the deer herd and hunting and everything else than uh, it has done negative. And I'll say that to the point that um, conflict and strife drives views and clicks. And that's what Facebook and Instagram, that's what the machine is designed to run on. So when you go on there and you post a really good four and a half year old, nice symmetrical, 135 HA point. That's a nice buck. Yeah. But it's not something, it, it, it fits the bill of, yeah, that's a good buck. You, you, you did good. It's not, uh, well, why did you shoot him? Because he was, you know, uh, young. Uh, he's not absolutely, he, he's not a 206 inch non typical deer killed on public land in Florida to the point that people see that and go, there's no way that's legal. He was hunting over corn. There, there's no, uh, it fits almost perfectly in the middle ground. So that post doesn't surface. All we see and we happy, talk about, yeah. right. It, it appeases the full crowd. So it may get a lot of comments, but it doesn't surface and stay surface and continue to get talked about like something like this. Or if when somebody kills that little deer that pops up because people are arguing back and forth fighting. Cause I was like, Oh, you should have gave him another year. Well, you got 15 people telling them they shouldn't say that. And also, and so mm-hmm. that drives that, Mm-hmm. The algorithm. We just don't see all the positive that goes on. Because I, I tell you, from running the the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation page, every time somebody posts, I get a notification. So I see that stuff, and I see stuff, and I comment on it. I'm like, that's good deer. That's good stuff. This happens. That post of an average, uh, just an average good deer doesn't get commented on. Three likes and one comment. Right. But if you post, you post, uh, a spike. It's it's this this a grown oh, yeah. man's grown, grown man's first deer. He's pumped about it. Never he just started hunting first year hunting. He's excited. He's tickled to death. I'm I took him. It it's cool as can be. You know for me because I was there too. Right. It's awesome. I'm proud of him too because that's a big accomplishment. I think that it gets caught up in like it's like a pissing match. You know. Oh, well, I've killed. I've been hunting for for forty years. I, I, how could you kill a deer like that? I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm like, first of all, pump the brakes a little bit. You don't know the backstory. <laughs> Second of all, if you would have shot a 200-inch a deer this first year, 
you'd be saying, oh, you're the greatest thing ever. You know what I mean? So it's like you got to find your median. And I've, I had someone write on that post today that I made just for example, literally today. I had four people comment about the music that I used. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> like, dude, it just like you're just literally a keyboard warrior at that point. Like if you get on somebody's stuff, if you don't have something to say like I literally put on there. I'm trying to get comments out of the post, right? Because like Will said, that's what you're trying to do as a content right. creator. You're trying to make it recircle, recircle, resurface. So it's like a shooter pass thing. What are you going to write on there and say you don't like the music that I chose? <laughs> like, you know, you're just being a pain at that point. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really, really do try to be like, I don't care what anybody shoots. As long as it's not on my place. I'm cool with it. <laughs> you shoot whatever you want, whenever you want. But like, you know, another thing a lot of people don't realize is I pass a lot of deer on, on properties and stuff, but it's cause I got a lot of time and money and right. you know, you're trying to run a, basically you're trying to grow these deer to the top potential. potential. Yeah. And so it's like when I shot that deer this year, I was pumped. I got the same adrenaline rush, whether the, I shot the 160 last year, just as much, got just as excited knowing that the deer was not as big as the other one. Right. I didn't, I mean, I couldn't age him on running 30 mile an hour chasing that doe. But at the same time, when I got down there to him, I'm like, it's a great buck, 10.130 inch deer. But then after the fact, it's all over and done with, I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could have seen that deer next, next year. year. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it, you, it's like, I beat up myself. But at the same time, I don't want somebody else doing the same thing. Did it, what did the biologist give an age on that deer? Three and a half. No shit, cow. <laughs> no. And and I believe that because the bucks that are killed in there now that are three and a half years old, he weighed 150 pounds. And that's what a three-year-old weighs up there in Green Swamp West. That man's got you know, 30 pounds of horns. So, I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 120 pound deer. <laughs> how long had Green Swamp West been closed to hunting when they. Right? Ooh. I think it was just. It was an insane amount of time. Yeah, I don't it? have. I don't have the answer to that. <clears throat> I don't know if you can. Um, uh, I can. Google man. Yeah. Go. Uh, trying to. There was a buck. Um, trying to think of his name from Dade City, which is a stone's throw from Green. Oh, Hall the West. one that got poached? No, no, oh. no. He this this man killed. I thought it was a hundred and seventy something inches. Um, back when it was Swift Mud, you know, own you know Swift Mud private lease or whatever. Um. Back in 80s, I think it was in the mid-80s, he killed, um, I want to say it was 170-something inch, 21 point. It was a typical 10 with stickers like mine, which mine's a typical 10. And um, he killed it on the same piece of property in the uh, mid-80s, and um, back when it was private. Yeah, I was gonna say so. Green Swamp West had been closed for thirteen. So that years. sounds about right. Okay. You said mid eighties, it'd be 80, 82. And I think it was a no, maybe a lease that he was. He anyway, he killed it legal, 
Um, and I mean, it had this, the genetics out there in the mid, mid eighties right. when he killed it. And, um, you know, the, mine's 24 scorable points, I believe. And, um, but he's a typical 10 point with, you know, do all the extras. kickers and everything. I, what makes him awesome. Well, the thing is to me is like a three and a half year old deer. I shot a couple of them. And if anybody has shot a couple three and a half year old deer, I ain't never seen one yeah. with mass like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Typically, you know, yeah. that's a you know Yeah. Yeah. Maybe exactly. a four year old deer. Exactly. You know? But um Yeah. Just a freak of nature. That just shows that I mean, outside of genetics, you the the nutrition that had to be out there for that deer to get that. Yeah. I mean he's six and a half inch bases. Yeah. And, you know, but he was, I mean, he had both his balls, you know, he, he was a true buck and, um, they considered him velvet, but he had at the time of the kill, uh, I'd say three of his antlers were hard horn, you know, yeah. already out of the velvet. So this was at beginning of season. Though, yeah. Right? First, yeah, yeah. first day, September opening day. Yeah. September 25th. But, um, yeah, he was the he was coming out of velvet. You know, it was all dried up. You know, something I've never I've always thought about this deer a handful of times and a handful of conversations, right? I've never thought about it because I didn't know the history behind Green Swamp. And this is obviously I have no idea. This could just you know could be they had zero pressure on that piece of property for thirteen years and almost turns into a farm. Nobody's messing with nothing. Yeah, All the food that's there is, you know what I mean? Like they can eat, they can eat freely. They can do everything freely, daylight, dark, no pressure. It's, it's kind of wild. Maybe that gives them like the stress relief to like grow mass. I was going to say it's 38,000 acres. Well, mm-hmm. that's what so. I'm saying. You got 13, 13 years of zero stress on those animals. You know what I mean? Think about there's probably nowhere you've ever hunted in your entire life that hasn't had pressure for 13 months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. I I mean, hit it perfect. You know, it was perfect storm came yeah. together. and So. It's gnarly. God. I'm so glad I was here to hear the story. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, I've heard say- all, like, the, the BS stuff. So I was, I'm really happy when you messaged me. You're like, we're having James Stovall and you want to I'm like, yes, yes, I'm yeah. there. No no doubt. I want to uh, hear the story. It's crazy how, like, you know, you hear a lot of people like, oh, yeah, shot him from the stand. Like, this man climbed down with a bow in his teeth. <laughs> like, just thinking about having the limbs of my bow in my teeth makes my mouth hurt. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Might be down. why. Yeah. Why I have that gap. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with not it's wearing the, my retainer. It's for the cam. It's where the cam. The cam was stuck right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, climbed down, stalked this deer, and then harvested it. I I love I love the other part of the story that I really love is like, yeah, he was with another buck. You know, but he was just a 120-inch eight-point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you still have any of that footage? Um, I do. Um, I've got a, somewhere around the house. I'll, I'll get it. I'll mail it to you or whatever. Okay. Um, I've got a, it's a 
you might not even know what it's a VHS. Tape. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> okay. Listen, I watched so I watched got, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I watched Indiana Jones on a VHS tape probably every day of my life after Dad bought the whole pack of Indiana Jones stuff. Bro, that's like the, ru- <laughs> yeah. the Rugrats got, movies that came in the orange yeah. orange VHS. Big, it was like a shoebox size thing with a bunch of VHS tapes in it. They, they yeah. got they got VCRs up there at Goodwill pretty cheap. Might pick one there up. You go. <laughs> Only way you're gonna see it. <laughs> but so cool. Find somebody converted to digital. Oh, you could definitely have it converted over to digital digital film. Yeah. But that's just that your camera probably took a VHS tape too, didn't it? It took little um the eight millimeter Yeah. yeah. They're little uh they're like half, half the size of a cassette tape. Yeah, half this size. Um that's what it that's what it took. So. <laughs> That's so crazy. You think I think about changing out memory cards? Like SD cards. Yeah. yeah, like I got a, I have a literal like six hundred gigabyte card and or a five hundred twenty eight gigabyte card in my camera. Holds like a million hours of yeah. footage. Uh, well, James, I really appreciate you guys joining us tonight, man. It's been. Uh, that's that's one hell of a story, and I I know that's one you'll probably keep continuing to tell for the next twenty five years if you're lucky enough, and that's that's something that never gets old. Well, I appreciate we my I'm speaking on for my son's behalf too, but I, we really enjoyed it. Um, I always like talking hunting and yeah, oh telling yeah, stories and well, they do know, it every week. But people, <laughs> I'll be at the shop. We go up to our local archery shop there um adventures archery in lakeland and it's like a family extended family there and uh uh it's uh you know i'll be up front and he'll be in the back and somebody will say is that james up front and listen i put put my pants on just like you do (laughs) you know i'm nobody you know my my Instagram is Simple James. Yeah, and I purposely put simple, made it Simple James because I'm no better. You know, I was just the lucky hunter that that killed him. You know, and I'm grateful. But you know, it's it's just a deer, and I don't by no means do I think I'm anybody special at all. So, <laughs> but I appreciate y'all inviting us up here. And yeah, I'm glad you made the drive, man. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming. That I mean, there is. I know you may not feel like somebody special, but it's something special to hold that spot, especially for as long as you have. But I mean, like we've seen it this year, the records are meant to be broken. That guy came dang close. Yeah, yeah, we might have to get that guy on too. Half a foot, too far in blue shot. All he needed yeah. was a half a foot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at it that way. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, my, I got two buddies that work with them there Osceola and um I'm gonna try to go over there one day and go out to eat with them or something and you know just talk to them and hear the story um he's I've I've heard through the grapevine through my buddy that um Bass Pro the museum has already reached out to him wanting to uh possibly acquire his rack that's awesome yeah that is awesome so, yeah, best of luck to him. And, um, yeah, I mean, great. Big buck, you know, number three. Like, you know, if yep. mine 
originally was number three, and I was or number two. Yeah, and uh, I was happy as can be. Yeah, old old uh, Clark Durrance held that number one spot. Yeah. For- 59 years. January 1st. Of, like, okay. What a now, way to now, start out a new now, hang year. on. If you look at this very clearly, there are a lot of deer killed on the 1st of January, which tells me they probably don't know what day and month it was killed. They just know the That's year. I was about to say. Yeah. Something That's like fair. that. It's yeah. unlikely it was actually killed on the 1st of January, considering there's one, two, three, and everything they have in common is they were killed in 51, oh, no. 59, 40. Yeah, I was about to say, really if, it with. if not, I need to start hunting January 1st. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But my hat's off to all these. Uh, there's been a lot of good bucks, you know. Over Man, the last Florida of years. has been producing some really great yeah. deer. I look, um, I'm bad at, you know, staying up with the the times, social media, and all that. But you know, when I when it does pop up, um, and I see a buck, it's like, golly, that's a that's a big one. You know, there's a lot of good bucks. Florida's a sleeper. Yeah. For sure. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> y'all, y'all come on down. Better <laughs> bring some waders and uh, snake-proof oh, boots. It's tough. It's it's some of the toughest hunting there is. Really, it's fun though, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade hunting Florida for anything. I love it. Uh, and even if I move out of state, I think I'd still make trip back just to. It's a whole different kind of hunting. It is. It's tough, and it's uh, it makes when you get one. Mitch Harbor is that much sweeter, yeah. Yeah. Well, James, you guys got a long drive back. You guys want to wrap this up? You got any closing thoughts? I'm dumbfounded, nope. to be honest with you. Just appreciate being a part of it. I appreciate having you, Hunter. I appreciate yeah. you guys coming out here and, and joining us, James. And it, it's been. I want to get some pictures with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> some more. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I want a picture with it. <laughs> <laughs> can do that do a little photo shoot absolutely all right we'll catch you guys next week james thank you again for joining us well, it was it was wonderful us. yeah audios <laughs> <laughs>